Welcome to IdeaGen TV live from the Embassy of Ethiopia here in Washington, D.C. Honored and privileged today to have with me Rosalind Doctor, Vice President for Technology and Science Policy at IBM Rosalind Wong. Thank you, George. This is so great, so great to have you here because IBM's leading the way quantum on AI and so many transformative technologies. And here we are on the global stage at the Embassy of Ethiopia in Washington. First, I'd love our global audience, the millions of people watching, to understand your role here in Washington. Sure. First of all, it's such a pleasure to be here because what you do in IdeaGen complements my role in the policy world. We have to listen and engage with stakeholders from the public sector, from the private sector, from the nonprofits in order to figure out what is the best policy course that will make sure that all companies uh, issue tech responsibly and that we have the innovation we need to grow economically, to help out socially and societally. So I bring people together. I listen to good policy ideas and I promote good policy ideas here in D.C. and globally. Incredible. And so 2023 has already been, I think, in many ways, a revolutionary year. We've got generative AI, mm -hmm. AI in general. And while you see this recreational use has skyrocketed, what are some specific developmental uses that are being put into practice at IBM? So I have a, a few exciting examples to, to give you today, George. One example I shared with you last time we were here is how we put AI on the collar for dogs to help dogs uh, those that train dogs to be seen eye dogs for the blind could know which dog would be a better dog and to save time and effort so that more people who, who need a seen eye dog could and have that life of independence. So today's example, building on that theme, is we have a, we work with Boston Dynam Dynamics on Spot. And Spot is a robot AI dog that goes maybe where we don't want to go in power stations when there's electrical grid issues or before there's electrical grid issues, but maybe the weather is too bad to do an inspection at a power station. So Spot can work any time of the day, any time at night, get into the nooks and crannies. It's a little robot dog. We brought it up to Capitol Hill the other day and take pictures day in and day out, which a human can then look at and say, oh, wait, we might have a problem here. There might be a little leakage here. This valve isn't reading correctly and then send either a human in to respond or to divert power someplace else so that we can all be safe. Incredible. And so shifting gears a bit to AI and the prospect, the potential of job losses, what would you say to those folks that say, well, it's going to be a lot of losses and jobs because of AI? So I would say, I wouldn't say what I would say. I would say what our customers say. Right. We work with a company um, in Pittsburgh that is a fast, is a food chain and they saved 2,000 man hours in one year by using AI to automate sales and administrative back office processes. So these same people that used to spend 2,000 times doing uh, manual labor that wasn't increasing the brand or helping them get closer to the customer, now they get to get out in the field. Now they get to go visit their regional offices, their restaurants that, that where their customers are, get feedback and have innovation for their menu. What AI can do is help tailor and customize experiences so that we all can benefit and that we can be part of the AI as opposed to AI taking over jobs. What we say is that AI won't replace your job, 
but those of you that know and can benefit from AI, they will be the job leaders of the future. And if you don't know AI, you, you might lose your job right. and not because of AI. Incredible. And so I'd like to take it to the next level. So we're sitting, as I mentioned, at the embassy of Ethiopia yes. here in Washington, DC, technically on foreign soil. And when you think about it, you think about the digital divide, the potential uh, digital divide, which AI and other forms of technology can accelerate. How do you feel about that? I mean, what is what is the future look like for that, for countries, country by country, the divide? How do we bridge that gap? Where, where are we going? I actually see AI is a great tool to help democratize data. I actually see it as a tool to help bridge the divide, not further accentuate the divide. We do have to worry about bias and making sure that the data we use does not perpetuate historical systemic racism. Um, and there's a lot of work in, that's been going on in that space. IBM has free tools that people can use, uh, AI360, to make sure that you eliminate bias um, and that you know about it in advance. But when you look at a country like Ethiopia or you, when you look across the globe, and it's, it's an honor to be sitting here in the embassy today, there's so many opportunities that AI can provide to democratize access. What AI can do is give the data and the insight to help countries know where to prioritize work. What is working, like the power plant example I gave. Let me give one more example. In the healthcare space, uh, cancer is a disease that afflicts way too many of us and, and takes lives way too prematurely. Most clinical trials all are represented by a single ethnicity. We don't have enough people doing clinical trials. And if you use AI, and we have uh, shown this, to select and help get more people into clinical trials, you can increase the diversity and the numbers of people participating in clinical trials. And that is just but one example of how AI can help democratize access, here I'm talking about clinical trials, and have results that benefit more humans. You know, that's incredible to hear your perspective, to think that there's a democratization that will take place from your vantage point and that you know, the fear of a further digital divide based on AI will accelerate. Now, you're saying you see potentially the obverse, which is really great news. I do. I, I think that there's still work to be done, right? We sure. can't just sit back and just wait for AI to, you know, to, right, to democratize, right. right? We have to make good decisions on how our technology will be used. We were talking about policies here earlier, right? right. You had a representative from the Greek government here. You have to look at the bills that were, mm -hmm. that were advancing to are they gonna make sure that the guardrails are in place that technology is used responsibly? For example, if you look at facial recognition technology, IBM said that we were no longer gonna sell general purpose facial recognition technology, and we're not gonna use AI for anything in mass surveillance or um, anything that would discriminate. But we need to, to skill, we need to train. You can only use AI if you have the skills of, of computer science, technology, uh, privacy, security. So IBM is committed to training 30 million by 2030. And we're doing that across the globe. And we're teaching AI, cybersecurity, data management, application development, and soft skills so that anyone can understand, use, and develop AI. Because the more people we have that are developing the AI, mm -hmm. the more the AI that we use and create will be re representative of everyone. That's incredible. And that's where you start. And that's really the, the key cornerstone of all this, as I understand it. And so at, oftentimes at IdeaGen, 
uh, global leaders and luminaries like yourself come in and make announcements and talk about what they're doing. And at this point, I'd like you to talk a little bit about a partnership with, it's apropos, with Ethiopia. Yeah, so it's great to be here in the Ethiopian embassy and with, with such good friends here. We have historically worked in Ethiopia with the banks and uh, we, we value our work there and we want to grow our work with banks and telcos and in the energy sector, as I've said. But we recently uh, engaged through USAID to manage USAID's data to get more insights, to help prioritize, to help know what impacts the U.S. government's aid agency is having in Ethiopia and also through USAID to work with the Ethiopian government on their data strategy. You have said it, we all know some statistics about Ethiopia. We know some success stories, but if we can connect the dots with the data and we can use AI to maybe see dots that you and I don't see, um, that can really help make sure that we're prioritizing the right development right. paths, that we're prioritizing the right projects, that we're scaling the right projects, and that we're having impacts that are meaningful for Ethiopians. Incredible, incredible. And so as we conclude this, this profound interview, what would you say is your call to our global audience? My call is twofold. One, let's make sure we have the policies that, that promote responsible AI. Let's make sure we have the policies that make technology open, whether we're talking about 5G, which is the connectivity, or AI. Let's use open standards-based technology so that everyone can build upon the foundation blocks of others. And then let's make sure we promote and double down on skills. This should be participatory. And with the skilling that's available, our pro bono skills build, we're doing work in Ethiopia called Lift Women, where we're bringing IT women from across IBM into Ethiopia to work with them and the telco provider Vodacom and others to lift women IT in Ethiopia. And it's that getting together an education session like this, but let's do more to educate each other, to share these experiences and to use technology responsibly. Rosalind, Dr. Vice President, Technology and Science Policy, IBM. Thank you so very much. Thank you, George. Thank this you. was a pleasure. This was incredible.